Well, on that note, Camille, you're here. You have a microphone on you. Uh, what's in it for you to be the insurance policy for the world champion? I'm sure it's on. Is there anything else? I, I, Camille, I think the whole world really wants to hear your thoughts about you've been so instrumental in Nick Aldis being the world champion. They'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Now's an opportunity. You're in front of millions of people around the world on NWA Power. Do you have anything that you'd like to say to the fans out there that are in your corner that support you? I don't want to hear another word about me not letting her speak. Okay? Now, if there's anything else, say it now, otherwise we're done. I, I guess we're done. All right. Into the we are back with the power. Into oh. the fire. Come on, keep, keep going. Into the fire. There you go. I'm Rob, that is Zach, and this is episode two of NWA Power! Enter the fire! Clickbait, it's entitled. Uh, October 15th, 2019. So, I don't know if this was like a pre-countdown roll thing, I don't know what this was, but... Uh, it starts off showing a bunch of YouTubers reacting to the show. Now, I gotta ask. Why do people like watching? Like, I'm gonna watch this person watch a show and then react to it. Rob. Why is we're it a podcast? We're podcasters. You're going to be saying, well, why do people listen to people review shows? Yeah, but we're not doing it live. We're not like, oh, man. Oh, that's something happening right there. I tell you what. I, I think the real question is why weren't we included into that countdown? Because we recorded it after the fact. And I just released the other episode today. And we didn't use the hashtag NWA Power with three R's on Twitter. Well, we should have. We probably should have. You know what? Maybe we'll next time. Maybe this episode will somehow be featured on NWA Power episode, episode four. Three. I don't know. We'll probably have some lined. Well, yeah. And then, and then we'll be like super cool. Yes. Like that's my voice on the TV YouTube. And then Aaron Stevens would look at us and notice us because he is our senpai. He, wait, what? He is? Well, he's older than me. Okay. Uh, I don't know if he's older than you. Let me check. Now I'm curious. How old is Damien Sandow? Oh, he's older than me. By two whole two whole years. Alright, notice us, senpai. Yep, okay, great. Moving on. <laughs> so they uh show a bunch of tweets from Corey Graves, Walter. Sean Sapp Ross, and they kept going to wrestling days on YouTube, like over and over again. He's like, oh, oh, there's something. Oh, I love the guy with the Joseph Fitz and bah, bah, bah. I'm like, what the fuck? I think it's because he's like some sort of weird British person and he has a funny voice. Oh, okay. Anyway, good for him. He got, 
He got on the official NWA uh, dealie. Uh, and then I said, finally, finally, we get a treat from The Rock. I mean, Dwayne Johnson. And then you too. Well, they didn't say you too, but you can get your thing done on Twitter by using the hashtag NWA Power with three R's. So I think it was implied that if you use that hashtag, you might be you featured. You might be featured. But they didn't outright say it. Well, I mean, if we have any sort of following, which we'll we don't. be featured. Oh, sure. Okay. Shut up, Rob. We do have a following okay. of the millions and millions of my fans. Yep. We sure do. Look at those download numbers fly. Um, yeah. What'd you think of this? I mean, it was kind of cool to see. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I thought it was kind of cool, but I also thought it was, like, weird that they were, like, going, like, oh, look at the WWE guys looked at us. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. And I also thought it was interesting that they did not do anybody from AEW. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Maybe the historic conspiracy theory. Maybe AEW does secretly funding them so they didn't want to make it obvious or maybe the WWE is secretly funding NWA maybe I will say that they kept calling Cody an inferior athlete during the show he, they did you're right yeah mm. you heard it here first, first folks so the NWA intro plays it goes over clips of what happened in the last episode with voiceovers and then a recap of the match between Tim Storm and Nick Aldis, replaying the point where Camille was knocked down with Aldis retaining the title, set to some music. Uh, Joe Galley, Jim Cornette are back at the announce booth, and they run down the night. We're going to see the women's champion and Eddie Kingston and Homicide and some other people. Oh, and the wild cards are back. The tag team champions. Dave yeah, Marquez. I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I think that the I think it's interesting that the world champion is not necessarily wrestling on every show, but the tag team champions are. Yeah. Yeah, man. He put his work in. He's put. He say he's got thirty days or whatever it is to defend his title. He put his work in. Sure. Dave Marquez introduced Aaron Stevens, the former Damian Sandow. He says that he's the had... former idol Stevens. Sure. That was his first Fed I, gimmick. I know. Yeah. And then he was stolen by Austin Idol. I know it's not. Uh, no, I know. No, it's not. He says that he's had a lot of success in film, TV, the theaters, you know, just all those things. He is now a thespian. Out west, and he had to leave the sport for a couple years, but now Aaron Stevens is back in wrestling, and he's back in the NWA. But he's got some ground rules. You can't look at him in the eye. No eye contact. Mm-hmm. So Dave Marquez looks at him, and someone else. You can't look at him. 
It was pretty funny. It was. The crowd laughs, and Damien, I mean, excuse me, Aaron Stevens yells, Silence! Dave, again, doesn't look at him. So then he asks, well, who are you going to face first? And he just avoids the question and then just leaves. Yeah, it was an interesting debut. I thought it was interesting also that he didn't, like, he made mention of his WWE run as Damien Sandow, obviously. Uh, But he did not make any reference to his time as Aaron Rex in TNA. TNA, yeah, because probably, yeah. He probably just wanted to leave that behind him. And I was actually kind of curious how he was going to... Because I was waiting for this crowd to be, like, super smarky. And be like, oh, we're not worthy, or Sandow, or, you know, oh, something. No, they were completely respectable. Yeah, yeah, they were. Although, I gotta say, it was kind of annoying. There were a couple idiots in the crowd, like, oh, that's what she said. Ah, Like, shut up. Like, it's so intimate that, like, anything the crowd says, like... Is picked up. picked up, and it's kind of like, you know, just shut your mouth. Sure. Yeah, but I mean, it's still like but I, it's still... I like I like the setting though. Yeah, no, I do too. It, it feels it feels good. Yeah, I agree. First match was Trevor Murdoch versus Ricky Starks. Ricky... Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen Trevor Murdoch. Yeah, he's gained some weight and some gray hair. Well, he hasn't been in the Fed since, what, 2008, 2009? Yeah, it's been a while. And um, I am not familiar with this Ricky Starks person. No, he is a young, new, up-and-coming wrestler. He uh, comes out in, like, a baseball like uniform thing, shirt. And, uh, yeah. Uh, deep arm drag by Starks to start off. They then exchange some knife edge chops. But Murdoch hits a big boot, but then misses a flying leg drop from the first, uh, sorry, from the second rope. This allows Starks to fight back. Murdoch has been away from the ring for a few years and might have some ring rust, according to uh, Jim Cornette. Starks hits a flying drop kick to the jaw for the count. Oh, sorry, for uh, for a two count. Uh, Starks and tries for a springboard DDT, but Murdoch just simply throws Starks across the ring. Starks then gets a crucifix pin for the win at uh, three minutes and 30 seconds. Yeah, it was a pretty quick match, but I think both guys looked pretty good. I mean, Trevor Murdoch has always looked like a... Well, Jim Cornette compared him to a baked potato. Um... So he's kind of always looked like that. He's he has gained a little bit of weight, but uh, he still can wrestle and move pretty well, yeah. considering his size. Yeah, and and uh, Starks looked pretty good. Yeah, Starks looked great. I think he got a little bit of offense. I mean, I would have liked to see him with a uh, maybe someone more his size. He he says like he's pretty agile, and I liked his attempt at the. He literally springboarded off the third row uh, into a DDT before he got thrown. Looked kind of cool. After the match, Ricky is with Dave Marquez. Uh, but before Starks can even speak, Murdoch walks over and offers his hand. And they shake. And he says, good job, kid. It just wasn't my night. And Starks puts over Murdoch. Marquez asks Starks about what are his goals in NWA. 
And I fucking loved this promo. This kid's got charisma. Yeah, he he kind of reminded me of like um I like he he looked like he was trying to be like Ric Flair in in a way. Like yeah, he was, like, no, talking I could... about how pretty he is and how how good he is and all those and all that other stuff and how much he's going to spend people's money and stuff like that. It kind of so, reminded me of, of that. So yeah, here's so he said he wanted to take it to another level. Uh, he says men call him absolute Ricky Starks and the women call him the stroke master, which got cheers. <laughs> and he says he puts over that he looks good. And he says that he eats and lives pro wrestling and that it ain't funny when he's spending other people's or spending your money. So I like this promo. I would love to see more of Ricky Starks because it was awesome. And I, I did, you're right. I got the vibe of Ric Flair. Yeah. I think we'll be seeing more of him if this continues on. Yeah. Breaking news, uh, Zach. Mm. Joe Galley talks and replays the Camille incident with Nick Aldis. He's now with... with blah, can't talk. He is now with Nick Aldis, and he says... He is a true journalist, and that okay, earlier, Michael Cole exactly. Uh, and earlier today, he has done a sit-down interview that we'll see a little later on, and he is going to continue to be a fair and balanced wrestling journalist. Yeah, I liked how later on he was saying, "Yeah, I won Edward R. Murrow Awards." It's like, dude, we could look that up. We could look to see if you had won an Edward R. Murrow Award. Why say things like that? He had to put himself over. You know what? Let's look it up. Okay, look it up. Joe Galley. Ed. Well, Jer- Joe Galley is probably a shoot name. Or not a shoot name. It's probably a stage name. Um, okay. So when you look that up, um, you find nothing. You don't even find well. It goes to the fifth thing before you find something about this show. Hmm. So, I believe that uh, Mr. Galley is uh, full of uh, shit. Mr. Galley, why? Why, Mr. Galley? All right. Well, we'll have to see. Maybe because he's not really fair and balanced. No, maybe not. All right, but what? Our next, our next thing was really good, and I liked it a lot. Go ahead and talk about it. Well, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, Mr. Colt Boom Boom Cabana, comes out, and he's doing his thing, and then he's like, well, you know, I can go back. He's, he said that he's going to challenge James Storms for the national title because apparently he lost it fairly recently. Yep. Colt Cabana, also a former two-time NWA world champion. Yep. And... Then he goes, well, you know what? I, I might go for the tag team championships. I have a tag team. I have a tag team match tonight. Here's my tag team partner. And Mr. Anderson comes out. I was so waiting for a CM Punk chant. They're not I... friends anymore. Oh, no, no, I know that. But again, maybe other people don't know. Yeah. And um, 
Mr. Anderson uh, hasn't changed since he was Mr. Kennedy. He's basically the same person. Yeah, he, his name he's identical. Twice. But I did like how he handed the mic to Cole Cabana. He's like, Mr. Cabana, Cabana. And then Ken Anderson was like, Mr. Anderson. And then <laughs> Cole Cabana stole the mic and went, Cabana, again. Yes. It was great. Yes. Cole Cabana is a great comedic wrestler. And yes, he is. I, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very excited that he's being uh, featured on a big stage like this. Definitely. Relatively. So, next up we have Colt Cabana and Mr. Anderson versus Sal Winaro and Jordan Kingsley. The two gentlemen we saw on the previous episode facing off against the Dawsons. No, I don't think nope. so. I don't think I thought it was. Oh, Sal Renaro was there, but I don't think Jordan Kingsley was there last week. <coughs> um, I thought it, I thought it was Dave White or something. I think you're right. All right, my bad. I thought it was Mims for a second. Oh, you know, like, you're uh, right. You're right. It is Mims. That's right. But it's Jordan. But it was Jordan Kingsley. It's a different guy. He just looks very similar. I just got people mixed up. My bad. Hey, welcome back. Chant breaks out. Wrist locks are plenty by both wrestlers. Uh, then Colt is getting the better, uh, a comedy match pretty much is the very beginning. Cause you know, it's Colt Cabana with a lot of silly spots. Anderson is tagged in. He hits a huge sidewalk slam. Jordan Kingsley is then tagged in. Uh, he hits a Pele kick on Anderson, but it really doesn't do much. Kingsley is sent to the inside, uh, is sent inside out with a huge clothesline. Salad tags in via Kingsley's foot. Anderson hits the mic check, picks up the victory at 3 minutes and 41 seconds. Yeah, another squash match. You know, like, I think Sal Renaro is really good at being a guy who can get squashed pretty well. Like, it's not, it's something that it takes talent to make other people look good while also, like, not messing anything up. And I don't think Jordan Kingsley quite gets the role because, like, he was doing Pele kicks and he was trying to do high-flying moves and stuff like that. And it's like, this isn't your job. Your job is not to get yourself over. It's to put other people over. And I don't think he quite under—he quite understood that. Ah, gotcha. Yeah, I could see that. But on the other hand, you know, he's young and wants to get his shit in. Right. Or just, you know, you got to still make... You don't want to look like, like idiots. Right. Earlier today, we go back to footage that was recorded in the, earlier in the day. We see Nick Aldis leaving the building. He says this isn't TMZ. He probably said some stuff that he didn't mean. And uh, then that's it. That's all that was said. We then have a recap. We then have a recap of Eddie Kingston and Homicide are shown. Kyle Davis is with Eddie Kingston in Homicide, a backstage interviewer. He cut the scathing promo on the wild cards, and they'll face off later in the episode, and they say they got to face off with the god of New York. What'd you think of this? Yes. Well, I thought it was interesting because he called, he called Homicide the god of New York, and he called himself the king of New York. Um, 
I, I thought it was I thought it was good. Like Eddie Kingston can talk really well. He has this kind of like big bravado street punk style. Um, what did you think of the and, camera work though? I mean, like they were like having problems focusing on him as he's walking up to the camera. He would just like yell into. The I camera. felt like yeah. Well, I mean, I can understand if you didn't like it, but I thought it was kind of raw. Uh, yeah, no, I thought it was interesting. It was something you don't see. Right. I, mean, I wouldn't want it for everything, but. For this, no, but like, but for like Eddie Kingston, like it, if it's reserved for him, it's fine. Yeah. So there you go. All right. So next up, we have a non-title match: Allison K, the women's champion, versus Ashley Vox with a V. So, Ashley is a uh, tiny. And Allison is big. She is a very tall girl. Thick. And thick. Yes. Allison has been champion for over 150 days. It doesn't sound that impressive when you say it like that. Wow. <laughs> Vox uses her speed to trip up Kay, but Kay uses her power to hit a big slam onto Vox. Uh... Kay misses a splash. Vox tries for a crossbody, but Kay catches her and hits a full uh, a fallaway slam for a two count. A big wheelbarrow slam by Kay for a near fall. Vox catches a uh, with a small package for a two count. He then follows up with a drop kick. Um, a flying head scissors takes down Kay, and then a cannonball into the corner uh, by onto Kay. That gets another two count on the woman's champion. Uh, Kay picks up Vox and hits a sit-down slam headfirst. In... What was this move? I feel I've seen it before. It's it's basically a revert. It's a it's a type of pile driver. Uh, Trent does it as well. He calls it crunchy. Um, but it's basically what's referred to as a sunset driver because basically you're you're doing half of a sunset flip and then you're sitting down. Um, I thought yeah, it was so like a, a reverse, like Emerald Fusion or something kind of like that, like an upside down Emerald nah, Fusion or. Nah, it's just a it's just a alternate Tombstone Pile Driver variant. Okay, well I didn't know the name of this. They didn't say it even had a name. They just it went, so yeah. She hits this move where she holds her upside down, and then she kind of falls on her back and shoulders into a pinfall, while Ashley falls to her knees, and they kind of slides her back. To get that leverage. But yep, she uh, gets the pinfall at 402. Uh, I felt like this is a good match. Uh, Ashley got, you know, some good offense in, got to show her stuff, but then we got to see the power and dominance of uh, of Allison. Yes. Um, The name escaped. Yeah. Yeah, well, I I always I don't want to call her Allison K because I I I've seen her for years as Sienna in um, Impact, so it it's odd for me to like because everybody else kept their Impact name except her. Um, which maybe I found, maybe she just doesn't want anything to do with it. Maybe maybe not. I don't know, but like um, uh, she's 
basically kept all the same mannerisms as her as impacts so and maybe it's like a rights thing or something maybe um what did you think of the the woman's title belt it looks small did you notice what was in the center of it no I'll be honest I was re- I was writing notes so I didn't really pay that close attention uh, okay so in the center of the woman's title belt where there's usually like the world or whatever mm-hmm. there's a picture of there's a there's a picture frame and it has Allison Kay's face in it oh that's awesome yeah it's very old school because that's what they did with the ladies championships back then they put the ladies picture in there oh I didn't know that yeah like if you if we go back and I think if we watch like Wrestlemania one the woman's title looks like that too oh okay yeah i don't know it, it's it's weirdly th- it's like a weird throwback because like a lot of the women's belts nowadays just look like uh like a different color or a different size of of the men's belts so, well i mean the i find it weird that the national belt's pink strapped i thought it's... it was just a I thought it was like a red or something. No, it looks pink. Or like oh. a salmon. Oh. Either way. Uh, Kay is then with Dave Marquez. She says that she's hungry. This is some weird editing they had here. Uh, she says there's some female fans. She says female wrestlers are hungry. And that uh, Kay just gave it her best today. And her best wasn't good enough. And the NWA title is safe in her hands. And then they just instantly cut to something else. So I think there was some editing done here. It was some really weird transitions. Yeah, maybe, maybe like, maybe uh, Ashley Vox had said something and it didn't come out correctly. So they just got rid of it. Could be. She called, Allison called her over. Yeah. So. So we get the exclusive interview. With Tim Storm right after the match. But Tim just walks away. Uh, Dave Marquez is with NWA National Champion James Storm. James Storm says this title is just a prop. But it's also a fast pass to that 10 pounds of gold. Uh, He wants the title of the NWA, NWA Champion. Because he's James F. and Storm. He says a lot more in the promo, but I can't write it all down. But basically, he's like the ultra redneck. He helps his grandfather Monday through Thursday. Drinks beer on Friday. Drinks more beer on Saturday. Goes to church on Sunday with a hangover. I don't fucking know. Yeah, I don't know. Like... James Storm's character has evolved in a weird way because, like, he was always the beer-drinking cowboy guy. But, like, he's recently tried to become more of, like... A country, like, redneck country. Like, I'm surprised he doesn't come to, like, that song of, uh, like... Like a Randy Travis song or some bullshit or a Dirk Bentley song or something. Hmm. I don't know, like, it's just, it, it just seems like he's trying to become, like, redneck folk hero, yeah. and, and and there's really no need for it, because he's just, you know, he's beer-drinking James Storm, there's, you don't need any more than that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like he's done enough in his career where it's like, dude, we know who you are, man, like, 
You've had great matches. You've been in NXT. You've been in TNA. You've been all over the place. You've had world phenomenal matches with AJ Styles and Loki and all kinds of other people. Like you're you're like a twenty time tag team champion, and you're also a former world champion. We don't necessarily need more than that. But I mean, I don't blame him either. I mean, like he wants to change up his character and do something fresh. I get it. Yeah. But yeah, I I don't know. It's it's interesting. Mm. But uh he's about to say uh it's about he's, he's about to say sorry about your damn luck, but he's stopped by Eli Drake. Eli Drake puts over James Storm as champion. He says that Storm is next in line with Aldis, but Aldis must be ducking him and tells Storm to make the move and take the shot. But he said, win, lose, or draw, remember your boy. And that's that. So uh, Eli Drake wants the first shot, either for the world title or at the national title. So, yeah, they're paired yeah. up. Yeah, I mean, Eli Drake would be a good secondary champion, I think. Yeah. Austin Idol's commercial plays again this week. So I was like, man, I wonder, I want to know more about this. How much does it cost to go to Austin Idol's Universal Wrestling College? Sadly, there are no prices. All right, so his website looks like it was from the late 90s. It's very basic. It was. It's all done in HTML. He's located in Greenville, South Carolina, which I had to look up. It's 100 miles west of me. So you could go. I could go. So, yeah, there was a sign-up form. I was like, oh, maybe this might have, uh, you know, more information. And, no, it's literally just a sign-up form. You fill out your information, and there's a section for your athletic background, and that's really about it. It's just like a little Hmm. contact us form. Interesting. So, I was like, this is interesting. And they have a corporate sponsor, apparently, of Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hmm. Yeah. There's one other coach besides him. Some guy I'd never heard of. But basically in his pitch, he just says, Oh, we'll teach you to be a wrestler, a creative writer, a commentator, a referee, a manager. Oh, ladies, you're welcome too. And uh, you too can say that you were trained by the Austin Idol. So. Well, I mean, Austin Idol, I mean, depending on what day of the week you ask him uh, is either uh, Hulk Hogan's first her first um, impro- like the guy who Hulk Hogan based his character on or the second person he based his character on after Billy Graham, depending on what day of the week you ask. Hmm. Uh, um, I mean, he's like, he's like super old school. Uh, I would be interested. Do you remember the name of the guy who is the other coach? Uh, let me look real quick. Because I'll be honest, I had never even heard of the guy. But, like, I was actually kind of disappointed because I was like, man, I would love to just find out how much this guy is charging. Or even just learn more. Like, all they do is they I got 9,000 square feet of space. Oh, yeah. Well, I can tell you that normal wrestling training, like, if you were to go to most schools, is about $3,000 for three months. Uh, yeah, I figured, I figured this guy probably charges by the session or 
hey, pay yeah. this much, you get this many sessions. All right, the coach. Okay, oops, sorry. Apparently I went to the wrong one. Um, hey, there we go. All right, the coach is, it says, coaches. UWC head coach, Austin Idol. Okay. And then the UWC trainer, assistant, and coach, or sorry, head coach, Jeff Lewis Neal. Hmm. So, well, he looked badass in the day. Um, prior to becoming a professional wrestler, Jeff's career started in scholastic wrestling. As an amateur wrestling standout, he was a two-time South Carolina State wrestling champion, competing, uh, completing, uh, compiling a high school record of 138 and 15. God damn! Incredibly, Jeff still holds records at his former high school, where three of his records still stand today. Jeff's check out Jeff's amazing stats. Most wins in a season. 39 and 0. Most wins in a career, 38 and 138 and 15. Most pins in a career, 107. Wow. So, after he finished high school, Jeff attended Anderson University and became NW NCAA Division 2 wrestling qualifier for the Trojans. Sophomore school, high school, blah blah blah. He seized an opportunity to attend pro wrestling training program where he learned many basic skills to help get him started on his journey to success. This was life-changing experience, said Jeff. He'll never forget. This is really weirdly written. He worked it probably hard was, and it was made probably a, written by Austin Idol. Yeah. I <laughs> Okay, one paragraph away from this paragraph. He worked hard and made a commitment to pursue his dream of becoming a professional wrestler. The next paragraph. Ironically, Jeff was introduced to one of Austin Idol's good friends, Kevin Sullivan. How ironic. Isn't it ironic? Kevin was willing to help Jeff in various ways. We all have to learn from someone, and the key is learning from those who have a proven... Proven is with a quotation marks track record of success in the industry, like Austin Idol, Kevin Sullivan, and Jeff Lewis Neal. I did look him up a little bit. He apparently had a match with Scott Steiner, so I mean, oh, you yeah, know, yeah. that's something. So here we go. Jeff has wrestled for major league wrestling companies, i.e., WWE, TNA, ROH, and NWA prior to Billy Corgan acquiring the NWA brand. He's had numerous titles in different countries. Yeah, does he have done anything big? He claims he's wrestled for IE, WWE, TNA, and ROH. But that could mean that he was a jobber. Oh, apparently the industry is more popular than it's ever been. And this is because... There is a quote-unquote serious talent shortage, not to mention the amazing opportunity to become financially independent. 
Yeah, this is probably a scam. Yeah. And it just says, why not now? Here, you want to check out his website? I want your opinion on this. Alright. Send it to me. There you go. Okay. Alright. Good lord. What did I tell ya? This looks like the Cosmic Potato website. Hey, hey, theirs is nicer. <laughs> Maybe. Um. Wow. Okay. But yeah, if you click the sign up button. Um, yeah. Good news is both the men and women. But there's no. Oh, here we go. Uh, training size is limited to no more than 20 people. Uh, rolling as fast as you can. Blah, blah, blah. Alright, they also... Go ahead. Oh, here, here we go. Okay. Cost for this incredible opportunity is only $2,500 with, ah. with a 10% discount when paid in full. Financing is available with half of it down and 12 weekly payments of $104. And then they have a master's program and it's only $70 per month. So you have to do... The 12 weeks, and then you can enroll into the master's program after you had your 12 weeks of training. Well, there you go. Yeah, yeah I'd I, rather, I, I'd rather be trained by Mike Quackenbush. Yeah, this just seems. I don't know, man. And here's the thing: I'm like, if you're doing such a good job, you've done all this stuff. Nowhere on his webpage. Does he say, like, oh, I've trained such and such, or so and so, or... Right. Well, that's why I was saying, like, I would rather be trained by Mike Quackenbush, because at least if you are trained by him, you're more than likely going to be given a spot in Chikara. That's yeah. it. Yeah, so, I don't know. Seems kind of sketchy. But there was another ad, though, that was odd in it this episode. Awesome. It was awesome. I didn't even write it down, so just go ahead and talk about it. Well, they... Cut to this guy named Tony Falk, who I'm not familiar with. But if you're in Paducah, Kentucky. And he has a store that sells waffles and tire irons. Yes. His tire irons are gold. Well, see, that they're not gold. They're spray-painted gold. Because a gold tire iron would be completely useless. It would bend as you're trying to change your tire. And also, the waffles are gluten-free waffles. And organic. And organic. I guess that kind of goes hand-in-hand, hand, but I don't eat waffles, like, regularly, normally. I don't like them. But, like, from my understanding of it, if you're going to eat waffles, you wouldn't want a gluten-free waffle anyway. I don't know. It was bizarre. It just shows him holding tire irons and there's syrup being poured on gluten-free waffles in the back. It was weird. I didn't know if it was a joke, if it was, like, an actual thing, or what. I think we've got to check this out. All right, here we go. Uh, what was it called? Uh, Tire Irons and Waffles is what it's called. Tony Folks. I had to remember the guy's name. All right. Uh, waffles. Well, it comes up if you type it into Google. All right. Um, mostly just stuff about 
this episode coming up when you look at look into it. So maybe I think it was just a spoof. Maybe it was. Let's see. There's something on the Squared Circle Reddit. It shows this. Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, he used okay. So, um, he used to promote a shindy five minutes from my house. Okay, so apparently, like, he used to like promote wrestling and stuff like that. I don't know. This is it was bizarre though. Like, I think they're just probably like Austin Idol is somebody that we nobody's heard of in like the last fifteen years. And I think they're just like getting old people from the like the original NWA and going, "Hey, do this for us." I don't know, but it was it was weird. It was bizarre. It was. All right. <clears throat> uh, his webpage for himself also looks identical. Very similar for Austin Idol. The AustinIdolLive.com. Austin Idol has his own website and it looks exactly like his wrestling one. Pretty much. Mm. Even has corporate sponsor and still Mike's Hard Lemonade. Maybe he just has a corporate sponsorship with Mike Hard Lemonade. Like maybe they he's like, "You're an alcoholic. Would you like to be sponsored by us?" Sure. Yeah. All right, it's time for the main event: Homicide and Eddie Kingston versus the Wild Cards. So there's this weird voiceover introducing the, the both teams. Like they didn't either. They forgot to do it or. There's just so much yelling. They're just like, ah, put it in post. Mm. And I kept saying, I, I thought he was saying, I'm going to fuck you up. And I'm like, wow, they're not censoring that? And I had to rewind it. And like, oh, I'm going to bust you up. Yeah. No, but it, like Eddie Kingston probably would say that. <laughs> yeah, that's why I figured. So Kingston is worked over early by Isaac. Uh, Isaac is tagged in. Both men repeatedly try for a suplex. Finally, Kingston uh, is able to hit one. They, like, did four or five reversals. A double clothesline by Homicide and Kingston. Uh, Latimer is then tagged back in and hits a back suplex for a two. Homicide gets worked over by both wild cards for a long time. And then a huge power slam for a two count. Uh, quick tags by the wild cards keep the rings cut off. So, basically, uh, Homicide's getting beat up this entire match. Homicide finally gets an opening, and the crowd wills him on as he finally makes the hot tag to Homicide. I'm sorry, yeah, to Eddie Kingston. Uh, Kingston chops anything that he sees, and then there's some confusion over who the legal man is for the wild cards. The Dawsons then come out of nowhere and attack Homicide at Kingston for no contest. This match is probably about 9 or 10 minutes. I forgot to hit my stopwatch. What the Dawson's... I, I thought it was. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say I thought it was a good showing for Homicide and and Kingston. Kind of shows kind of what their roles in the tag team are going to be. I just wish that there were. I knew that there wasn't going to be a finish, but I wish that maybe there was like a double countout or uh, maybe a time limit draw or something like. Yeah. The the Dawsons are are interesting, and I I like that they're pushing them hard. But at the same time, I don't necessarily think that they're ready for a tag team program, just by the way that they're like moving in the ring and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. So they just wreck the place. 
And uh, yeah, it's no contest. We then, it's finally time for the sit-down interview with Nick Aldis and Camille. Aldis puts over Tim Storm again. Marcus asks why he needs Camille as his insurance policy. Aldis says that at, uh, he lost to a lesser wrestler at All In because of outside interference and a crooked ref. He even the odds. I mean, how dare you talk about Earl Hebner that way? He's never screwed anybody. Never. And then Marquez, uh, and then he asks Marquez, name a time where she has done anything illegal or interfere in a match. And Marquez can't think of any time. Camille then is asked, what is in it for her being the insurance policy for the world champion, Nick Aldis? And, and then this rem- is the answer. This is the answer we get. Yep, that's it. Marquez urges her to speak, saying, "This is your time. Everyone wants to hear what you have to say." Again, silence. Alderson says he doesn't want to hear another word about her, not about him not letting her speak, and they both get up and walk out. So, I don't know if Nick Aldis is heel or not. (laughs) Like, I was like, he like put over the NWA big at the beginning of the show last week. I thought he he was a face. Yeah. And then at the end, end, he kind of was acting heelish. And then this comes about and he's kind of acting like a jerk, but not, but it turns out he's not really being a jerk. Camille's just a mute. So, like, I don't know if he's a heel or not. It was kind of strange. So are we going to get, like, a build-up to, like, Camille's first words? And she's going to have a voice box, a voice box like Kane? And then she's going to say, I'll set myself on fire! Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. All right. That's that's got to be Camille! Um, I really like it. Puts a mask on. (laughs) We've already seen your face. You're very pretty. (laughs) Uh, What did you think of this episode, though? Um, I thought that, for the most part, uh, I thought this was a pretty strong episode. Uh, The one thing I will say is that, unlike last week, there were things, like, I thought the main event was kind of botchy at points. I didn't see anything in here that really, like, worried me in-ring-wise, like I did last week. I thought that everybody played to their strength for the most part. And this was a really easy watch. Like, yeah, it it was an hour long and it didn't feel that long. Yeah, no. And I think they did a really good job of, you know, recapping everything. I mean, it's kind of funny. They did more recapping in one hour than AEW or WWE even does in their own time. And they got more hours. I mean, they, right. They hyped up a sit-down interview with three different segments. They recapped the main event from last week twice. Like, they made this, put this thing over strong and made you actually like, hey, this is a big deal. This is our world champion. Look what you missed right. last week. And the other thing is, yeah, they recapped. They hyped up that interview for the entire time. And then they recapped last week's main event 
a couple of times, but it didn't feel like it was overboard necessarily. Like it, like it felt like, yeah, it felt like it was something important. Um, whereas sometimes when WWE recaps something, they will, it's like, all right, they show it on, they show it three times on Monday and then they show it again on Friday and then they show it again at the pay-per-view and then, uh, they do it one more time right before the match starts. And it's like, okay, enough. Yeah. Like we get, we get it, but this didn't necessarily feel that way, even though they were basically talking about last week's main event in five different segments. Yeah. They just showed enough to matter. Now, if they were to do this with this week's main event, I would think it might be a different story, but it's, this was for the world title. So, you know, I, I think we, we can forgive it. If it was for the tag team belts or something along those lines, I don't know if it would necessarily feel the same way. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, my favorite thing this week was, uh, the Ricky Starks interview. Yeah, no, he was he was very charismatic. I would like to see more of him. My favorite thing, of course, was Colt Cabana because it's Colt Cabana. Yeah. All right. Well, anything else you want to discuss before we head off? No, but let's go into the fire. All right. All right, buddy. Thanks for listening. And there'll be more NWA power next week. Enter the fire.